Welcome to Talk the Talk, calling all activists and allies alike. It's time to come together and demand the changes we need to see in this unjust world. I'm Jordan, a black male activist. And I'm Caitlin, a white female ally. And together we created Talk the Talk, a platform for speaking candidly and constructively on race. We will provide starting points for uncomfortable but meaningful conversations and introduce new knowledge and perspective. We will arm you with the tools necessary to combat racism anywhere and anytime you experience it. Right now is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to create lasting change to the racial and social injustices in America. And we challenge you to do your part and talk the talk. What up, Dis Karen? No, no. Oh, <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I was like leaning into like... <laughs> Um, okay, so before we get started in chit-chatting, <laughs> we don't know everything and we cuss. So that's yeah. full stop. That's, that's the disclaimer. That's all. What Proceed. up, Kay? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to like be a total buzz. <laughs> I was like, we don't do it. I literally have it typed out in all caps. <laughs> we will forget. I will forget. You will forget. That's not my cue. No, no. That's your cue. I'll that's me. But what up, Kay? Um, not not a whole lot of anything. Just a lot of studying, a lot of finance work. Oh, education. Uh, financial calculator. <laughs> it just looks like a regular calculator. It's. It, I wish it were, but it is not. <laughs> well, it is not. Keep getting How those studies up. I'm living, man. Uh, took a little social distance vacation, so recording in a different setting today down in Norfolk, Virginia, visiting baby sis. Shout out, Lex. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this is nice and really nice to get out of town. I'm not gonna lie. Despite yes. the drive that was seven hours, it should have been five. I've <laughs> been great so far. <laughs> being stuck in your car is still different than being stuck in your home. Yeah, it is. It is. It was very different. I smiled in the traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. All right, so what are we uh, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about implicit bias and what that means. We all have it. It's something we all have. It's something that you can choose or not choose to act on. Um, so we're going to just take a look under the hood as to what that means for everybody and, and what that looks like. Um, but first, <laughs> I feel like we got a little, a little saucy. Um, noteworthy, I don't even, I don't know if I can call it news, but. There was some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know how to like. You tried to be very nice about it. Um, I, well, it's just like, it's like this nebulism, just like, it just doesn't make sense to me. But Yeah, when I saw it, that was just the only thing I could think of was this is some bullshit. We must talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, so President Donald J. Trump has a brand new directive. So in the midst of racial and social unrest and a global pandemic that has not been under control in America more so than anywhere else in the world, uh, an economy that's struggling and throw that on top of an election cycle that's coming up and that is here <laughs> two months from now. We'll have the results of the 2020 presidential election. Amongst, amongst all that, Donald J. Trump decides to put out a new directive instructing that the federal government will no longer do trainings on anything that has to do with critical race theory, white privilege, or calls into question the idea that America is inherently racist or evil. 
This is all under the guise of it being divisive anti-American propaganda. Yes. yes. Let's call let's let's call propaganda. it what, what it's perceived to be. Not yeah. what it is, what it's perceived to be. He um, put out this memo on I believe it was Friday or Saturday was when it came public. And this is like an actual memo written on behalf of the president to one of the branches that's in charge of federal trainings. He thinks that tax dollars shouldn't be going towards training people on anything that has to do with critical race theory. And literally it says, for example, according to press reports, employees across the executive branch have been required to attend trainings where they are told that in quotes, virtually all white people contribute to racism or they are required to say that quote, they benefit from racism. And they're saying that that is anti-American. Disgusting. Um, <laughs> and that we can be proud that as an employer, the federal government has employees of all races, ethnicities, and religions. We can be proud that Americans from all over the country seek to join our workforce and dedicate themselves to public service. We can be proud of our continued efforts to welcome all individuals who seek to serve their fellow Americans as federal employees. However, we cannot accept our employees receive, receiving training that seeks to undercut our core values as Americans and drive division in our workforce. Wait, wow, wait. So us, this Talk the Talk show, this Talk the Talk community, Donald J. Trump probably thinks we're propaganda and unpatriotic. And I'm here for it. I'm <laughs> all the way here for it. Because everyone else in the entire country and the like a lot of other places in the world right now are going out of their way and seeking diversity, inclusion, implicit bias training, and talking about matters that matters of race in the workplace. And when all this is going on, all this change that needs to happen, he comes through and says, nah, 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 not so fast. America's it's unpatriotic to discuss America being based and like steeped in racism and like the history of that and the way that comes into the present and how to avoid it going into our future. That's unpatriotic. That's against the core of American values in America. The America that I want to live in and like the America that we're supposed to be try trying to progress and get forward to, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. So just another time where he is literally flipping things on their head in order to be divisive and like just not have things go in the direction that scares him and the like the root of his base like the people that he's talking to that don't want to have the, like i don't know it's just like this also i will say to that point like this um there's two issues i have one the phrasing of this is like there's millions of tax dollar um, millions of millions of tax dollars that we pay that are going to this. Mm -hmm. so that's one thing where it's like, okay, well, obviously, yes. Like if you, if you are going to be more conservative more times than not, like that means that you are less likely to want to have higher taxes and like, you're going to be right. very upset that you know, this is where your tax dollars are going. So that's, I think, a, a very critical phrase that was used. And mm -hmm. then I think the fact that like, yes, it's great. Like, we should want to have diversity in our federal government. Like, we, we need to make sure that people, like, across the board, 
well, in every workplace, but particularly when you're in the public service. Yes. <laughs> that we have people representative of everyone who lives here. So don't you like don't use that as a crutch to say like, well, we're not racist because we have black people that work here. <laughs> like that's not <laughs> that's not being racist, but that's not being anti-racist, which yeah. I think we kind of talked about before is being like it's not just it's not enough anymore to say well i'm not racist right you have to be anti-racist and know what that looks like and and i would the, think that this is anti-anti-racist this to me this to me is just like a small little political play to drum up attention um like it's just like jordan and i were talking about it before we started recording like is this like the best use of our time? Like you in theory could have like two months left in office. And I mean like, okay, so we have a pandemic going on. We have, we have our country is literally crying right now. Like we have fucking problems everywhere. Um, like protests, riots, we, we've got some shit. It's also an election year. Yeah. And this that, is just a, a BS political ploy to like mm -hmm. drum up like excite like nervous excitement on both sides of, like across the aisle. So dumb. Like it's it's so dumb. Like I, I don't think it is. I think it's I think it's a poor use of time as far as moving the country in any direction that matters. I think it's genius for him as a political strategy. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's not like, a good president, but he is a fucking amazing marketer. And getting elected, at least right now, it's like, I don't know any of his platform as far as like policy, because I don't think he has one. <laughs> like I've sought this out, but like he knows how to speak to the people that will vote for him. Right, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is not, let me reach a solution. This is a political ploy yeah. to stir the pot. <laughs> right at it. He's great at mix and mix and mix it up. But don't be fooled. Um, there's a movement happening in this country and there are people in this country that lead this country that stop that movement. So keep doing, keep using your voice, keep using you, whatever platform you have and like drive that positive movement forward. Hey, before we like move on, how did you find this letter in case people want to read it themselves and do their oh, own okay. research? So I found the letter through a Washington Post article but the you can actually go to whitehouse.gov and it's on there it's directly on the white house's page so www.whitehouse.gov um and you'll be able to find your way to this memo it's under uh president presidential directives perfect just wanted to make sure before we switched over um to talk about like these trainings and why these train i mean albeit we haven't sat through the training so we don't know but these particular trainings, but we both these began. Yes, these particular trainings. trainings. But like, why they're important. So like, let's get into implicit bias. All right. So you want to tell them what it's about? What, me to tell them what implicit bias is? How you want to go about this? Because this, this is a big topic. This is a, a requested topic. This is a topic that you definitely wanted to like dive yes. into. Um, so with that being said, I'm gonna let you kick this Okay. Off. So implicit bias is something that is deep within our subconscious 
there are things that we do and a lot of times they're genuinely for survival we've talked about like an us versus them mentality before that like it is a pure survival instinct if you see something that is different you are more likely to be defensive implicit bias is similar in the way that like we all have opinions about things and they could be deep 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 in the back of our brain we never act on them we never necessarily even know they exist um so it, i mean it could be something as simple as like if i'm walking home by myself at night and i see like a person walking down the sidewalk i'll cross the street right it's something like that where like i just do it because hey like mm, it doesn't matter what you look like like I'm, I'm going to cross the street because it's safer for me to cross the street, right? It's something like that. Or it could be something so simple as like you grew up in a, a household where your dad or your, you know, you have one, I'm going to talk about like a family that has a mother and a father for gendered purposes, but you, whatever household you want to live in is great. But like, let's just say like you had a father figure who was like the primary breadwinner and your mother stayed home. You could have a bias that like, women should stay home mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you necessarily think it but like it's just in the back of your head and we need to take a step back and understand what our implicit biases are do they ever come out in into the real life and like whatever or do they just sit dormant in the back of our brains and like that is what it is it's not bad to have implicit biases because every single person on this planet has them mm -hmm. the problem becomes are you acting on those? Because acting upon those could be very damaging. That could lead to like, like racism or homophobia or, you know, sexism. Like, I'm not saying like, if you take one of these tests that we're going to talk about it and you find out that you have a preference for white people versus black people, that you are racist. That's not what, that's not what this means. Right. It just means like, I need to understand the way my brain works and how that interplays in my world mm -hmm. and make sure that I'm aware that like, Hey, like everyone is different. I am different. I have my own biases. I need to learn and understand what those are. And they can be white and black. It can be, like I said, women in the workplace, um, age, like young versus old, yeah. anything, it, anything, um, absolutely anything. It's just very critical that we check in with ourselves and know what they are to make sure that we're not doing anything unintentionally to bring those forward mm -hmm. um, and exclude. I'll say, I mean, I'll say this in the nicest way, but like exclude someone when you don't even mean to. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, since they are implicit, it's unconscious thoughts that can come forward in your, in your actions, what you do, what you say, and like the way that you treat others. So it doesn't matter what race you are, what orientation you are what age anything like it, none of that matters because like you said we all have it it's unconscious but when we recognize it then we can take steps forward to preventing it from coming and like manifesting in our actual like physical lives right so now that we kind of have an idea of what an implicit bias is we can start getting into like a little deeper into why we have them and it's like it's evolutionary like you talked about when you're on one side of the street and you see someone coming towards you late at night like you cross and that's like an evolutionary thing like when we were you know thousands and thousands of years ago when you had to worry about getting stomped out by like <laughs> yeah. a giant predator 
like <laughs> you had to like be able to decipher a situation very quickly. So yeah. biases are just generalizations um, that we use to like protect ourselves. And we associate, we don't have time a lot of the time to look at an individual and decipher if they are a threat. We have to use generalizations and associations that we have from the past. And we do that with everything, not with just with other people. You do that with like any situation. Okay. And you yeah. make these generalizations all the time. You do it again, unconsciously thousands of times every day. Okay. So it's again, not something that's going to go away. It's understanding how to move forward from them. And like, one, you have to understand them, where they come from, what they are for you before you can see if they're manifesting in your actual day-to-day -day life. Um, and there's like, there's different ways that they come through and can manifest. Like we'll all have our own different implicit biases and okay, I have a question for you. I don't know if you're prepped for it. If you're not, I can go first, but talking about like, what's an implicit bias that you either have now or have had in the past and how do you on your own personal level make sure it doesn't manifest and like what lessons have you learned about that implicit bias yeah so i actually learned about like implicit biases in undergrad and we were in a i was in like a medical anthropology class mm -hmm. super interesting but basically it was like hey harvard has created these tests again it was it was a thing of like you're going into healthcare and we're talking about different healthcare systems like you need to understand how you relate to other people and that was the premise of it so i went through and took it and um i took several of them there are a bunch that you can take um so one of them i took was black versus white and I actually i did it in undergrad and i did it right before we started recording and both times i had no basically what it will do is for the white versus black it'll you'll go through and you'll look at a screen and images and words will flash up on the screen and you have to associate them one way or the other so it's like super fast mm -hmm. they'll tell you rules they'll say like okay you know we've got a face a photo of a person's face here are the faces for uh, like white or euro centric people mm -hmm. and then here are the faces for black african centric people great so you have to toggle between those learn those and then they have word like words for good and bad so like joyful or angry like and then you'd have to toggle through both and then they would say okay great now you can understand the difference between these words every time you see a word that is like ha like positive associate that with the black african-centric photos same and the opposite would go for the eurocentric photos you do it super super quick um it's really interesting so i had like no preference one way or the other but yeah. like the more mistakes you make which you will do because it mm -hmm. is supposed to be a quick thing it's something again, you're not thinking like, through you're literally just reacting right away literally you're just reacting um so it's like the more mistakes you make one way or the other could lead you to a certain preference so like i had no preference between black and white um which i was like yeah that's that's not really surprising i don't think right <laughs> like I don't, i've done it before so I, i'm not surprised that, that didn't change um, I've done, the other one that I've done a lot is straight versus gay. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a preference for like a, a preference for gay people. 
and which is like that doesn't really mean anything necessarily because yeah. like I'm a straight woman but like my preference is towards towards people of the LBGTQ community like that just I mean some of my closest friends are so mm -hmm. you know that just is what it is um which that didn't really change either I think like it got more extreme this time than, than I did the first time yeah um and then I have a uh another one I do a lot is age so mm -hmm. I talk about like young versus old um and I used when I did the first time I had a preference for older people and now it's flipped mm -hmm. <laughs> so in the span of five years that that has now flipped and I have more of a preference for like younger people <laughs> which I think is kind of interesting because you're you're old now I'm older. I am not old. <laughs> you are also older than I am. So if I am old, you must be ancient. Um, the, the, look, there's my bias. There it is. I'm, I like the young people. I, I don't like you. You're too old. Oh, we don't get old. That's what we don't get along yeah. for. I gotten too old. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of you? Do you have, I don't know if you've taken the. Yeah, so I've definitely taken the, um, the bias, like the test, the IAT. Yeah. Um, I think it's implicit awareness test. Um, yeah. But I want to talk more about less of like a clinical like test result and more of like just something I noticed in my own life. Um, oh, okay. And I'll go with an implicit bias to people who sought out um, therapy, which is interesting okay. as someone who goes to therapy now. Um, oh, so you're saying like, prior to like yeah prior even prior to me going but like this is probably i'm 29 now this is probably like early 20s mm -hmm. just thinking like not thinking down on people but just thinking like oh you know what like they just don't have the systems and like they don't have the things in place to deal with it they might not have the the people around them to talk to right they need that's why they need to go to a professional because either a they don't have anyone else or two like again this is like my younger more mature self they just were not strong enough to deal with whatever was going on in their life right and i supported the idea of them going and seeking that out and i thought that was great but i was like mm, they're just not strong enough or they don't have like a strong circle around them and right. as i was like older and just got more mature and like my thinking and talking to other people that had been through therapy and go to therapy and like swear by it not even just people that I talk to on like a personal basis, but people that I look up to who I found out like, like influential people that I look up to, like famous people that go to therapy and seek it out. And like, it's built into their self-care plan. Yeah. I started to learn like in my early twenties, like, nah, it doesn't make you weak at all. It makes you like, it means that you're taking care of yourself and like whatever that means. Yeah. For you. And that goes back to our last episode that was on self-care um and like i said last week and earlier today like now i'm on a completely different spectrum because i've been exposed one to people that have sought it out and i've sought out therapy myself like my implicit bias on it one my implicit bias changed and like there's no explicit bias either now at this point there's like no explicit manifestation of that implicit bias for me like if, if anything it's like completely flipped we're like I'm a proponent that says everyone should go to therapy or like have right. some therapy, whatever it is for them um, as part of your self-care plan. And that's something I'm really grateful for. Um, so anyone listening out there, like don't feel bad that you became aware of your implicit bias. It's okay to change. It's okay to mm -hmm. 
different in your thinking and it's encouraged because I say it all the time, but if you are 15 thinking the same way that you are at 25, that's not okay. If you're 25 and thinking the same thing at 35, like you should be changing and being exposed to different ideas, different people, um, and different experiences. So you're, when you have that exposure, you're going to change. And we'll talk a little bit more about exposure down to the episode, but that was something I'm very, very grateful for that has changed from my early twenties to my late twenties, as far as. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I, yeah, I just didn't even think of it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, by the time I even met you, that was, that had already changed. And that was like mid twenties. Yeah. So you had four or five years onto that. And like, it's even obviously farther along. Well, so yeah, again, listeners do not feel like just because you said or thought or did something in your past that you can't change it now and like right learn and evolve because that's why we're here learn and unlearn right Kay? absolutely all right so we talked about some manifestations that can happen that have happened in our own personal lives we like to also talk about the big macro scale the, the bigger societal impacts of the topics that we talk about. So how does implicit bias come through in the real world, in different systems? So it has effects in healthcare. Um, one that comes to mind for me is in studying race in healthcare, there is a large percentage of research that's been done that shows that doctors are less likely to look at black women's pain the same as they would with another race of women's pain. Um, like they're either being dramatic or they can just handle like this comes from like the, the strong black woman idea. Like, Oh, she's strong. Like black women are so strong. They've been through so much shit. Like they're strong enough to handle this without this type of care or like this pain relief or like, or on the flip, like, oh, she's being dramatic. She doesn't need that. So that's like, that's one example of how that can come through in healthcare. I feel like also with healthcare, like for me, I think like, what are, what do the textbooks look like? So when you're thinking about something what, like a person who has like chicken pox mm-hmm. or like Lyme disease, like things where it's like on your skin, like yep. your skin. At least for me, like, I, at least for me, like, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't in advanced medical school class, but I was like pre-med and I, you know, had textbooks and stuff for that kind of stuff. You don't really see a lot of black people mm-hmm. as patients, which I would think would be critical to know, like, because like I said, like Lyme disease, it's like, you'll get a rash. that looks like a target on your skin. And I'll mm-hmm. like, that would look very different on me than it would Jordan. Yeah. It'd be very quick and easy to, I mean, like I'm Casper the Friendly Ghost, and I say that in a fun episode, it just is what it is. It would be very easy to see like a red target rash right. on my body. Right. On me, it's going to show more like purpley or might not even really show as like, it's not going to manifest the same exact way. Right. So that's a really interesting point that ties us back into, you, talk, you brought it in healthcare, but it goes into the education, the training for those healthcare professionals. And yeah. you want to take this another direction, you can go directly into education itself. Like, we always hear about implicit um, bias in, in testing, like testing. But if you're reading something and like, there's just an experience that you 
as a student you've never had that you have to like put yourself into for this reading and you can't empathize because you've never experienced that like i don't know the thought of there was one that i was like i distinctly used to remember from junior year i had to do an sat course i was doing an sat like course for to take the sats and it was just this theory uh not even a theory it was just like a, a reading about um i think it was about polo and it took me like two paragraphs to realize they were talking about polo like riding around with a stick like the game polo. like the sport not versus like water polo like, yeah i had i've seen water polo i've literally never seen the game of polo like have you seen the game of polo played um this is like really weird never in real life only through like um like um oh my god what was that show called i'm blanking on the name serena vanderwoodson why am i asking you this is my <laughs> i don't know you don't know oh my god gossip girl okay that is so embarrassing i feel like we need to edit <laughs> that out it took me so long to get there can you tell that i'm not a morning person um but no only in like gossip girl which is like a fake show about rich teenagers on the upper right side. so if you're not like a rich teenager who like is around horses, <laughs> in a fake tv show and like people playing polo why would that be something that's in a standardized test like it just it just isn't like you, i was able to figure out what the whole thing was about and like it was fine i did well enough on the SATs, got to school and now here we are look here we are it's fine it worked out but that's just like one example of like things not necessarily being equitable in education it's like the way the standardized tests are written and that they're not written with all students in mind and like it really does come through on um on test results another thing is like the way that students are treated in in school yeah that's what i was gonna say like that's that's a huge issue it's like beha like behavioral things like I, I feel like we've all seen the posts on like social media and stuff but like the way um like behavioral situations can be handled mm -hmm at times can be very, very different mm -hmm. depending on what the child looks like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a difference between being a problem, being sent to the principal's office and well, you have, you know, ADHD or whatever. Mm -hmm. that, that can be handled at times, like unfortunately at times very differently. Yeah. And then one last one I want to add the education piece. I think we had talked about it. I know we talked about it privately. I don't know if I ever talked about it on the pod, but when I went from the inner city school in the city of Reading to my predominantly white suburban school in Wyoming, like I, at the inner city school, I was at the top of the class. I was in the gifted program and summer happens. I go from third grade to fourth grade. And when I go to start fourth grade, they wanted to put me in like the most basic like remedial math and reading classes and like my parents like yo no first off right you need to test him you can't just put him into something because he came from inner city school and you think that because he came from inner city school and he's a black boy like he has to be in these classes when right. you want him over here and he should be all the way up here like and i took the exams and they were like wow like wow, you really are smart. No shit, like, like <laughs> I just told you that. <laughs> like, moving from one district to another didn't make me dumb and like need to like, not dumb, like I'm sorry, but like it didn't make me like change what was in my head, okay? 
so, That's so weird. They wouldn't just test every, like, I would think that you would want to make sure that you're testing your students frequently and regularly to make sure that you're addressing their need. Like, cause there could be a time where you like slip equitable. off. That sounds like, equitable. That's silly. Let's remember. <laughs> they oh, yeah. are not always as equitable as they should be. And equitability and equality goes right into the legal system, which is another place that these implicit biases can come out. Um, I know that you like to study law, so you like know some <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> so you, <laughs> okay. do, do, you, do you mean the fact that I may or may not have Venmoed a lawyer friend a dollar to have him on retainer to answer questions? I have a funny story that happened this week. <laughs> I texted him and I was like, hey, um, one of my friends has a crush on this guy, but we don't know if he's married or not. Whatever. Can you look and just see, find his marriage <laughs> records and any divorce records? <laughs> Who do you like, think you are? Huh? Who do you think you are? Just check it out. I'm just trying to get an answer for her. Okay. She All wanted right. to know. Continue. And I said, well, good news. I know someone in Tennessee who has passed the bar. Let's go. Okay, so coming back. Sorry, that's my story. We should have talked about that privately. From the, the Caitlin Floyd High Bar. <laughs> do you want so Yes, I do how, like law. So yeah, I do like law. How does <laughs> implicit bias come through in, uh, in the legal system in America? Um, well, I think we talked about, I'm so embarrassed I should not have said that. Um, we talked about it, I think, in like our first episode, when we think about things like redlining. Mm -hmm. Um, albeit those may be more like a slap in the face, like we know what we're doing, but for the sake of conversation, you could say things like laws are created only thinking about one type of person. If you don't know, um, to think about others or that you're in the back of your mind, like you have a bias that you, that you just don't know about, mm -hmm. you could be unconsciously excluding a group of people. So when you make a decision, when you pass a law when you set up a policy if you're not thinking about everybody mm -hmm. or you're not aware that you're not thinking about somebody you could be leaving someone out and that your piece of legislation you know whatever it is that you're working through could unintentionally hurt somebody mm -hmm. or you know leave them at like a lesser of an opportunity than yeah. than others mm -hmm. like yeah and then There's another thing that I, always, that I always think of when it comes to implicit bias is the, the saying or the thought that court cases are won in the jury pool. And like yes. creating a selecting jury is literally all on generalizations and associations. Like you don't actually get to know the person that you're choosing or excluding from the jury. You ask, them certain questions. Account, you ask them certain questions and you look at like you literally just look at them like, oh, like this person might be too far this way or too far that way based on the way they look and the way they answered these like handful of questions, but right. you don't know anything about them. And like that part of the legal system is literally built on making generalizations and associations. And it's so impactful in how a case actually comes out to play. Um, there's been research and studies done that show that the more diverse a group of jurors is, the longer they'll spend time um, talking about like deliberating or or innocent in homogenous juries like the time compared to more diverse juries like the time they spend deliberating is crazy different so 
just and that's super interesting because like depending on your case like depending on you know your case and what your who your client is like like, you may want to have everyone be exactly the same because you want a quick decision because you Mm -hmm. you know like you feel like great cool this is a slam dunk i have helped my client etc 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 like I, i want them to all be the same and to like like and that that gets interesting because yeah like it can be advantageous to have mm-hmm. everyone you know if I have done something wrong have a bunch of people who look like me in my jury you know like yeah that's a good point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then one that I don't even know how much we need to talk about this because I feel like we talk about it all the time is policing um, mm-hmm. the implicit by like I'll say this I think that as police officers, you should have implicit bias training. You should be aware of the biases that you have before you are given a badge and a gun and a taser and a nightstick. You should have that before you have the authority that comes with those things and the authority of force that comes with those things so that you can be aware. I understand you have to make split decisions, but when you're making those split decisions, you should be aware of the implicit biases that you have before they come through and manifest in an explicit way. Yeah. And I'm going to stop there because. Yeah, no, I think I yeah. <laughs> can <laughs> That's That's where I'm, I'm going to stop yeah. this week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Nope. You are correct. You are correct. And then one place that we're starting to really see implicit bias trainings and discussions and more of a focus on diversity, inclusion, and equity is in the workplace. Um, so I, I really do think we should do an episode about race in the workplace and discussing that. Um, so we'll add that to the list. Um, but this is definitely somewhere else. And again, there's research. Like there's research. If you want it, let me know. It's from McKinsey, one of the best consulting groups in the in the world. Um, they've done studies in America, the United Kingdom, Brazil, uh, Mexico, and Canada as far as the study that I'm thinking of, that the more diverse that a workplace is, the better their earning potential is. So if you want to influence someone, you influence them with your Show them the money. Show them <laughs> the money and show them that having more women on a board or more people of color on a board or specifically more women of color on a board, like you're going to retain more employees. You're going to be able to sell and like, sell your products and services to a more diverse group of people, you're going to avoid the PR nightmares that you have when there's one group of people making decisions behind closed doors. And like all of that drives up your bottom line. So if your workplace doesn't feel like it's diverse and inclusive, and you want to make that be a focus for your company, read through that study by McKinsey and present like present your argument present the facts it's not even an argument present the facts that diversity and inclusion and equity will make that business better yeah all right and then um that's that's it for like the ones we wanted to talk about and those are all different ways that implicit bias impacts the world around us so in true talk to talk fashion we have to give you the step-by-step guides <laughs> to avoiding and reducing the impacts of your own implicit biases. So we've got a little five-step program. I think like we always have a five-step. Five step. You know, we, we're doing something. <laughs> is this like talk to talk is like anti-racist anonymous? 
Well, I don't think we should be anonymous. No, we're definitely not anonymous. We shouldn't be anonymous. Like, that, we're all out that would be helpful. Well, this is our five-step program for this week um, to reduce the impacts of implicit bias. Step one is remembering and acknowledging that your bias is based on generalizations. And in order to break down those generalizations, you should see people as the individual. So the more often that you're able to do that and get past like whatever your unconscious mind is saying about what you're seeing in the real world and you get past that and get to know the person individually or just remember that person is an individual and will not fit whatever stereotype you have about the way they look, their age, what they're doing. Uh, once you get past that, then you can start to get to know them as an individual. So seek that out, like be conscious about seeing people as an individual. You got anything to add? Oh, on? No, <laughs> I was like. <laughs> so like some, uh, like a lighthearted light thing that comes to mind is like the 90s rom-com movie theme where it's like the star football player who's friends with all the jocks and is popular, but deep down he's sensitive and like, the nerdy, finds the nerdy girl and her bangs and her hair is up so she like you can't really see how beautiful and pretty she is they end up going yeah. um, they fall in love and there's this whole unlocking of his sensitivity and her confidence skyrockets like oh my god is this about me i'm just kidding <laughs> like they in that movie they both see each other and there's not even like a specific movie i'm talking of i've just seen it so many times that you know they had to they have these stereotypes, jock, nerd, and they see each other outside of those stereotypes and they actually get to know each other on an individual personal level. If we all do that, take that 90s rom-com life lesson and apply it to ourselves, we'll be able to see people as individuals and not just the generalizations that they fit into, quote unquote fit into. Um, and then step two is to mindfully change your stereotypes. So go out of your way and like, think about spend time within yourself reflecting what stereotypes do i have on age on race on gender on occupation on any of these things and then break those down and like go out of your way to change the stereotypes so that when they so that they're not unconscious anymore you bring them to the consciousness and you can deconstruct them that way and that yeah absolutely it's I, we talked about like mindfulness mm -hmm. last week. And I, I feel like this is a continuation of that. And we asked everyone to go through and think about the eight components of wellness and how you fit into all of these things. This is a, another no thing yeah, for like continued self-improvement, like check in with yourself. Like, what do you think? Like, it's, it's so important to always understand who you are and what is important to you. Like, not just in the circumstance of like, how do I become better and more and practice more anti-racist behavior? Mm -hmm. But like for each of you as a person, like I would hope that like you check in with yourself, you know what you want, you feel comfortable, confident and healthy with, and those things look different for everyone, but like to move forward and to like go after the things that you want to live like a full life and like mindfulness is part of it. And like, this is another exercise to like strengthen that practice. Yep. And I mean, you just kicked us right into step three which is to be aware and reflective like actually spend time with that spend time reflecting and being aware of your thoughts and your actions and like 
how those can be impacting other people around you, which is step four. So step four is to surround yourself with people that are different than you because that's the way that you're going to actually be able to break down the stereotypes. A lot of times when we have a stereotype, it's because we don't know people that are that fit within that stereotype on an individual basis. So when you go out and you meet someone who's, if you're straight, meet someone who's gay, or if you're young, meet someone and spend time with someone who's old, or you know, you're from this class of like wealth in America, spend time with someone who's of a different class of wealth. Like you can get to know them outside of the tropes and the stereotypes that we've we've constructed ourselves and had constructed for us. Yeah, I, I feel like when I moved to the Northeast, like people were very like, you know, and like we would get into conversations about like politics or race or, you know, whatever, because I enjoy talking about those things. It was always, oh, you're like different than I like <laughs> thought you. And I was like, like, what the fuck does that like, fuck you. <laughs> you're not like I would get so mad, but there is and I mean, we all can agree that there is racism and sexism everywhere and yeah. whatever. But like, I I was different. I changed a stereotype. Like people have a stereotype of what a southern person is and what they think. Isn't and like, you know, like you said, like you you got upset, you got angry, you felt a certain type of way because they were forcing you, trying to force you. Right? Into yeah, I was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. They took one thing that they knew about you, Caitlin. All right, I don't even know your last name, but you are white and you're from the South, so you must be this. Right, right? yeah. And that's For infuriating. Sure. Yeah, I was just like, and like, and we're having, you're just so different than I thought you would be. Like, it sounds like they probably thought it was going to be a compliment. <laughs> it's like a back, yeah, I'm, I'm also Southern, so like, I know a good backhanded compliment. Like, don't, if we want to do that, like, I'll do it all day. I feel like guys do that too, like as a straight woman, like who is like relatively low drop. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I get excited about everything, but like, I don't stir the pot. I always get like, you're just like, like, you're just so much more chill than like every other girl I've dated. I was like, that literally is like an insult to me and every woman that you date. Like, you are making an assumption that like women are crazy, mm -hmm. um, which like I, they're probably theoretically, technically will be based on like a, how large. A, population there are of women I mean, in the world there's guys that are also crazy so for sure yeah but it was i think like, it's just a person thing it's just like person, <laughs> but it's like the stereotype of like the crazy girl like yeah you're just so different you're just not what i thought you were gonna be excuse me what did you think i was gonna be yeah. like for me, for me it's whenever anyone says i'm articulate and well-spoken it makes me fucking yeah. pissed yes okay let's think this through I was an A B student in high school. I went to Temple, graduated there. I only got a fucking master's. So if I didn't know how to speak to people after 20 years of education, yeah. we would have a problem. <laughs> so yes, thank you for your back-ended compliment. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think the way like we both are talking about, you know, stereotypes that we've been put into and how that has felt. And in order to not do that for two other people, we have to be empathetic. So that's step five of Talk to Talk Guide to reducing implicit biases. Step five is to be an empathetic person. Like before you talk, think before you talk. It's one of the first things that you're taught as a child. Like as soon as you are old enough to form your own sentences and start to have your own ideas, someone's gonna probably pull you aside and say, 
little Johnny, did you think before you said that? Did you think about how that would make, you know, your friend over there, Robert or Jen or whoever, feel? Did you do that? <laughs> and if you didn't, start doing that. <laughs> you laughing at my fictitious names? <laughs> you like, Johnny makes, like, I feel like Johnny and Sal, like, those are kind of like, Jack, Diane, like, whatever. You're like, Robert. <laughs> Kind of, you know, include some. No, I love, no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but like the whole point is like we have to be able to step into someone else's perspective. Yes. Right. Walk in their and shoes. Exactly, and it, like it's hard for me to think through like not doing that because I've always made it a point to do it. So what the reason I say that is like you can make that part of yourself. Like if even if you're not a naturally empathetic person, you can train yourself to do this and like be conscious of it, even if it's not part of your innate nature. So it's something that's so important and will help you. Like it helps me all the time, even just navigating different like workplace functions, like understanding what someone else is thinking, I can communicate that to them on their level and like wherever they're coming from. So, like, the way that I'll talk to Caitlin about race is not the same way I would talk to, you know, a lot of other people about race. I can be way more direct and, like, I empathize with Caitlin because she, I know where she's at. If you're talking to someone else about anything and you don't know where they're coming from or what, like, you can't understand how they need to be communicated to, that conversation is not going to go as well as it could. Right. So you can deliver the same message with a different, different method. So when we're being empathetic, like that allows us to kind of bring someone else's guard down and also make sure that we're not going to do something or say something that's offensive to them based on an implicit bias that we have about them or the situation. Right. And I think part of that too is just like asking questions, like show that you're engaged that, and, and you're curious and you want to learn and like people for the most part love to talk. Like, and they love to talk about themselves. So if you can, you know, work through that and, and encourage like a dialogue and a conversation mm -hmm. and be willing for you to step outside the box of what you think about somebody that a black man can be articulate. <laughs> you know how to say it. Like, <laughs> it. Which is just wild, you know, like, but if you can take yourself out of that and like understand because you've done all the other steps. Mm -hmm you will be you'll have like much more enriching relationships with a bunch of different people yeah for sure for sure all right so let's just run through real quick see people as individuals step one mindfully yeah. change your stereotypes be aware and reflective surround yourself with people that are different than you and lastly be empathetic be an empathetic human be a good just be a good human <laughs> that's what i say all the time just be a good human easy all right it's time. I think it's your turn. What you did learn in class. Woo! <laughs> um, so today we're talking about cognitive dissonance. And for those who don't remember from psychology class or weren't actually taught it ever in psychology, cognitive dissonance is when your thoughts and behaviors don't match up. Or your thoughts and your beliefs are different than the way that your the actions and you know behaviors that you take. So there's a dissonance there. Um, and the reason that we wanna talk about that this week 
in regards to what you didn't learn in classes because those can be implicit. Like a lot of times when you do have that cognitive dissonance, you can want to be an anti-racist person, right? But you can think or even act on something that is racist and it's gonna be it's gonna be a dissonance to what you're what you want to be doing, what the actions are that you want to have. And acknowledging your implicit biases will help you avoid doing things that are negative and like having negative actions towards other people and behaviors. And that gap in between the two is that cognitive dissonance. So in being more self-aware and being aware of your own implicit biases, you can close that cognitive dissonance gap and closing that gap will help you align your thoughts with your behaviors and actions. Yep. You got anything? I actually did don't, I, I mean. Did I nail it? You, you kind of nailed it. I think, <laughs> again, and it's just, I'll harpen back to like being aware. Like it's super weird to check in with yourself. What am I thinking versus what am I doing? Yeah. Versus how do I feel about this? Like mm -hmm. it doesn't, the buck doesn't stop with just like, I'm trying to be anti, you know, like this is a continual thing that you should incorporate. Like on the reg this is something yeah. that you could be doing for which sounds daunting but it's really not the rest of your life it's something that you can practice and grow and understand the more you understand about yourself the more like like i said literally two seconds ago you'll have a happier life with better relationships and like in relationship can literally be your partner your family your friends mm -hmm. your neighbor like the person at trader joe's who checks out checks you out for your groceries like you just be surprised at how how much better all of those relationships could be for sure for sure and you said one piece in there that really stuck with me is like this is going to be for the rest of your life but when you put the work in it just becomes part of your life yes so that takes us like right into the call to action of how do we make this a part of our lives how do we like do that hard work so that it's just a part of us going forward. And the call to action for this week is to think about your own implicit bias. So if there's something that you know you struggle with, or if you need to like go do one of the IAT exams, like you can do that. I think that's a great place to start because if you've never thought about it before, or I mean, and there are some of those, like I would have never thought of, like I would have never thought that I had a bias one way or the other for like old versus young people. Yeah. Like I think I, like those Harvard IIT tests, just Google that. It's like a really good place to start because it it's very simple. It takes you like five minutes to do one of them. There's a bunch of them. You can go through, do whatever you'd like, um, however many you'd like, but that's a good jumping off point in terms of then moving into the next steps of how to reduce impacts of your implicit biases. Yeah, so go either identify one on your own or take one of the Harvard IIT tests and spend time thinking about where that bias came from for you and start to deconstruct it by going through this five-step process that we laid out of seeing people as individuals, change your stereotypes, being aware, uh, surrounding yourself with people that fit that quote-unquote stereotype and then be an empathetic person. So go find out what it is and like do that process and then let us know like if you're comfortable talking about it, like share with us and share with someone that you did this, all right? All right, love it. I'm excited about this one. I hope we get some. Also, let us know how these IAT tests go and like what you've 
discovered about yourself. We obviously won't, you know, talk about it on, on the air if you don't want to, but like, we'd love to hear like, if this is helpful, if for sure learn something new, like we have all our contact info. At where, where, where can they reach us? How can they get us? At talk the talk podcast on Insta grant. I probably should say Instagram. I'm just Insta. <laughs> um jordan and i are pretty active on both of us are active on there our e- what's our email again? talk to talk the show talk to talk, talk the show at gmail um also like and subscribe to us wherever you listen um and give us a rating we had some folks do that which was super super nice super helpful um yeah that's that's basically it we appreciate everyone for listening again all right, cool. Let's put a bow on that one. Look yeah. forward to uh, some feedback and continue to grow this Talk to Talk community. Uh, fight racism wherever you see it. And peace. Have a great week.